I guess there isn't special music today, so it's time for our Bible reading. And I'm going to 1 John, the first verse, and the uh, eighth and ninth um, the eighth and ninth verses of the first chapter. First John 1, 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Good morning and happy Sabbath. How many of you are interested in how to get out of debt fast? Now, obviously, we're not talking about financial debt this morning, although some of us might be interested on that topic as well. Let's bow our heads for one more word of prayer before I begin. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for shining your lights through each one of us. I pray this morning that you would empty me of myself so that I can be filled with you, that you could speak through me, anoint my lips this morning, and send your Holy Spirit to be here in our midst. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's think about that opening scripture again. I'm going to read that. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's give you a little historical context. This particular book was written by who? Anybody have any guesses? John, right? First John, there it is. We are, interestingly enough, it really doesn't specify that to the best of my knowledge, but it's very similar. These three books here are very similar to the Gospel of John. In my studies, I found there are many passages, many phrases that you can find in both the Gospel of John and this. In the time that John wrote this, things were creeping into the church. Different doctrines, uh, different controversies, different things that were uh, false teachings, strife, conflict... Uh, that were leading people away from Christ and the church. Some people had left the church and were trying to teach others these different doctrines, say that, for example, that Jesus was simply a human being, that he wasn't actually the Messiah, and that he didn't have power on this earth to, con- uh, to forgive and things like that. This book was aimed at trying to bring people back to that firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Um, There are quite a few neat little gems in this book, if you read it, which I encourage you to do. This book, uh, interestingly enough, there's no formal... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, no formal or direct address or formal greeting to any particular person, which we think means that this was circulated among the early church. So it's for all of us. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness, getting out of spiritual debt fast. 
Now, as I like to do when I'm studying, I like to find some of these definitions to get a little better understanding. So we're going to define forgiveness this morning. Well, let's ask you this. Throw out some definitions that you have. What is forgiveness? What does forgiveness mean to you? Don't be shy. Forgetting something that somebody has done against you. I like it. Thank you, Vicki. Acceptance. Cleansing. Here's what Webster's Dictionary says. To cease to feel resentment against an offender. To give up resentment or claim to requital. To grant relief from payment. Now today we're going to be discussing God's forgiveness of our sins. He's declared in several places in the Bible that he has power to forgive. And then through the various stories, we'll look at one today, he shows this, that he has power. I suggest to you today that God is in the business of forgiving sins. Turn with me to John chapter 8, the gospel written by the same man. John chapter 8. There are other stories that we could probably have looked at, but this is the one I selected today. John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1. And this may be a familiar story to you, but it really shows a very clear picture of God's love and forgiveness of sins. Starting right in verse 1. But when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and they had set her in the midst. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They said, uh, this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and rode on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What a story. So imagine, Jesus is going to go out and do what he normally likes to do, right? Teach and preach, share the gospel message that he has come to save the sinner's He's out doing what he does best, teaching. And as they're 
people are gathering around the scribes and Pharisees, right? The rulers of the church, right? The teachers, the leaders. They bring this woman who is caught in a dreadful sin, right? They come presenting this case against her. Now, interestingly enough, this process that they used was not even the right process with which to accuse someone. You don't do it in front of a big crowd, right? Showing all this, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Humiliating her, right? They used the wrong process. The law itself provided a correct process. Shouldn't have been done in front of a crowd. So here they are, right? They're saying, Jesus, this is what she's done. And as they're still talking, what does he do? He bends down in the sand and starts writing, right? Doesn't necessarily say what he's writing. It's suggested, if I believe from the desire of ages, that it might have been the secret sins of those accusers, those men that brought this woman. So he's writing in the sand, right? All the meantime, they're still probably thinking, what is he doing? You know, we brought this, this sinner here. He needs to do something about it. And this is what the law says right here. Finally, after he listens, they stop, stands up. What does he say? He offers, if anyone who is sinless among you, you can throw the stone first. Right? So he says, go ahead. Throw the first stone. Whoever's sinless among you. Think about it, though. How many people there were sinless in that crowd? One. Did he throw any stones? Nope. Jesus would have been the only one sinless, and he never threw a stone. He never picked up a stone. He bends down and continues to write in the sand, it says. And as he continues to do that, the scribes and the Pharisees start getting convicted. Maybe they saw something in the sand that really, oh, uh, I don't know what he's doing. I'm going to just, and off he goes. The next one sees something or says, uh, the Holy Spirit may be impressing on his heart. Yeah, you're not sinless. You, you know what you did last week. So out he goes. One by one they leave from the oldest to the last. Jesus looks up again and, hey, there's nobody else here but the woman. So he asks her, woman, where are those guys that uh, were accusing you? Has no one condemned you? And I'm assuming at this point she may have still been waiting for that first stone to hit her, right? Nothing happened. So she looks around, no one, Lord. I love this. He follows that with, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more, implying that he has forgiven her. He asks her to go and sin no more. Turn away from that sin. Repentance is what that would be called. Let's look back at our definition of what forgiveness is, right? To cease to feel resentment against an offender. So Christ could have felt resentment, right? Or anger because she was truly a sinner, right? 
And God from the beginning has set up a law and a standard of how we should live our lives. And this was obviously not in accordance with what he had set up. Yet here he is, showing no resentment, no anger, nothing but love. She had a debt of sin that she should have paid, right? But he released that. He forgave her. He showed her that she had no need to repay any debts, and in fact, showed that he had come to pay that debt himself. God longs to be in a relationship with each one of us, does he not? Yet, we as sinful human beings have separated ourselves because of that sin. The sin separates us. It eats at us. It breaks us. We've all sinned. As Romans 3.23 shares, for all have sinned and come, uh, fallen short excuse me, of the glory of God. So where are you today? How are you feeling? What kinds of sin are you holding on to? Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you feel alone or disconnected, isolated, because sin does that to you. I've heard sin described as leprosy. And what happened to the lepers? They were all kicked out of the camp, right, and isolated? These are all the effects of sin. Huh, maybe you're feeling like you've been doing pretty good. I haven't sinned in three weeks. I want you to check yourself there, though, because that is a trap that many fall into, right? What did our our scriptures talk about? I'm going to read that again. 1 John 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we do what? We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Don't get caught in that trap. Thankfully, God is in the business of forgiveness. He is in the business of canceling our spiritual debt. Going on in our scripture, if we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants us to talk to him and share what's going on in our lives. As we do that, that really rebuilds our relationship with him. Let us, if you would like to follow along, we're going to start actually a few verses back in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 5 on into chapter 2. I'll give you a second to get back there. 1 John, starting in uh, chapter 1, verse 5. And I, as I read this, I want you to remember that when they wrote this, there really weren't any delineations of verses or chapters or things. So this kind of, I want you to flow right through this. Read right through this as we go. First John 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the whole world. Christ is acting as our advocate, which an advocate is one who defends or maintains a cause or proposal, one who supports or promotes the interest or of a cause or a group, one who pleads the cause of another. And propitiation, that was a word I didn't really understand. He is the propitiation for our sins. In other words, he acts to gain or regain the favor or goodwill for us with the Father. Hebrews shares with us in chapter 2 that Jesus Christ acts. He is our merciful and faithful high priest. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to share with him what's going on in your life and to ask for those forgiveness of your sins. He hears you. So talk to him about your struggles. One more reading I'd like to share with you. You can turn with me if you'd like to Isaiah chapter 43. This might be familiar, but we're going to read it anyway. A couple verses in Isaiah chapter 43. God is truly in the business of forgiving sins. Isaiah chapter 43, verse, starting in verse 1. At this point in Isaiah's life, Israel, God's chosen people, has wandered away. And God has been sending these prophets, these people, to try to preach and reach the people, bring them back to him. So here's what it says, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel." your Savior. And then I want to jump on down to verse 25. This really seals the deal for me. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Amen. Isaiah here is trying to share with the people that God is in the business of forgiving sins. I want to share with you a song at this point. You're actually going to help me. I'd like you to sing on the choruses of I Will Sing of My Redeemer. And if you'd like to follow along, that's hymn number 343.
truly in the business of forgiveness, of cleansing us from sin, of canceling out that debt. Define forgiveness. To cease to feel resentment against. To give up resentment or claim to requital. To grant relief from payment. Jesus did all that for us. He's in the business of canceling debts forgiveness. There is no debt too big or complicated that he can't take care of or that he won't. The greater the offense, the greater the forgiveness, 
the greater the love, our scripture reading reminds us of God's faithfulness. He is faithful to forgive us. There is no limit. It doesn't matter how many times we've fallen. It doesn't matter how many times we've slipped up. You ask, and he will forgive. He will forgive you right when you ask. No debt of sin is too big for God to wipe away. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these wonderful words. The fact that you love us so much that you sent your Son to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins. I pray that each one here today will recommit their lives to you and share this wonderful good news with the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.